اسمي زياد ابو مصطفى مهجر من سوريا ماي نيم از زياد فروم هونس سوريا اي ام ارفيجي فروم هونس سوريا اند ماي نيك نيم از ابو مصطفى Welcome to the 7th episode of Refugee Stories. I'm your host Jessica Stone and this episode focuses on Ziad, otherwise known as Abu Mustafa. Abu means something like father of in this context and Mustafa is the name of his firstborn son which is a common kind of nickname for men in the region. And just a quick warning before we start, this episode does contain a description, although relatively brief, of a violent act which is not at all appropriate for children's ears. Like what was the moment that made you realize it was time to leave? What was the particular event? When uh, when ISIS and the government they came to area in Homs and start fighting and shooting and bombing, uh, and he also lose one of uh, two of her brothers. So he scared about the safety of her family. So he decided to leave Homs and came here to Lebanon. One of her went in her home and got a bomb in his home. And the second one, uh, he was going uh, to buy some of milk for his son. And when he was on the road, so he got a bomb. So now he has three of our brothers, not two. Because, uh, yeah, he has one that was, uh, went to a university here in Lebanon, in the Beka, and he has 21 years old. But he decided, he decided to come back her mom and dad in uh, Syria and uh, when he went uh, one of uh, government checkpoints so uh, they think that uh, he's from ISIS or someone so he take it and kill it. Yeah. You can find uh, the video of, on YouTube. You can find the video on YouTube. Take it and kill it. Oh. Okay, uh, some of uh, relatives uh, they sent him the video in the first day of the Eid, of the last Eid. So when he watched it, he kept crying for three days and he cannot sleep. So, But after that, he thinks that, that now I lose my brother, so I cannot do anything. So I just live my life and try to. Be safety here. Who they send him the, the video? They try to let him come back to Syria to kill him. There was like uh, they they work with the government and they try to let him come back to Syria to to kill him to take him to kill him. Are they relatives or they are people who are... Yeah, they are relatives, and, but um, there was some of family problems before the war. Okay. So they hate them and they try to do that. They are with the government and they are not, so... Okay, uh, he said that I still with my wife for about 30 years. Uh, so the most important thing that we're still together and with our children and uh, 
he don't care about what he lose if it's her house or a car. They just care about their family and to stay together and to stay alive. أكيد عندي بنت عمرها 12 سنة جوزتها هون لشاب لبناني. So he say that her daughter she got married from a Lebanese guy and he was 12 years old. As I described in episode six, a far story. Many Syrian girls get married at ages that we would consider alarmingly young in Australia. Whilst this tradition was already commonplace before the war, it has only been exacerbated by the instability that many refugees have experienced since leaving Syria. Uh, and when and they decide to go to the Germany, and when we, they arrived, so her husband, uh, they take the passport of both of them, and they come back to Lebanon by the boat. And uh, yeah, right now she's still with the. I mean, he Allah Adali. Okay, uh, she's still right now like a, a school for these cases, for the kids that they don't have any of their parents. So she lives there, yeah. So she's been there for three years? She got married here, they still for two years here in Lebanon, then they decide to go to Germany. When they decided to go to Germany, was that a decision that you were a part of, or was it purely her husband? Okay, uh, he said that it was like uh, her husband's decision and uh, when he asked uh, her husband about why he decided to go to Germany, so he said that just to make our life better and to find for more better life there in Germany. Okay, uh, he, he don't agree with the husband about that, but when they decide and they came and uh, let him know that they are going to Germany, they just uh, tell her that uh, they are going for Germany as like to do a visit and the tourist just oh. not to stay there, yeah. Okay. And uh, he was surprised when he you know that uh, the husband go to Germany and let her daughter there and he come back to Lebanon alone. Okay, in the beginning it was very hard to her because he can't speak the Dutch language and he don't know anyone there. But after that she tried to learn the German language and to do like a sociology with some of the German and so now uh, she told him that uh, it's gonna be okay. It's better. The situation of him, it's better right now because he can he can speak a little bit of like the German language. So and also yeah, uh, she went to a German school there that they help her to learning language and like this. So, do you think she's going to stay in Germany? Are those her current intentions? You say that in the beginning when she went to Germany, so uh, the German government tried to give her a nationality, the German nationality, and uh, his daughter, she decided to invite him to go to Germany. But uh, the school, when she went right now, so uh, her teacher, uh, like she, she loved her very much, and uh, 
she don't want to for her to come back to Haiti Lebanon because he feel very dangerous that she will come back to Lebanon and uh, he doesn't understand that uh, her daughter she just will invite her family to go to Germany and not to she will come back here uh, so uh, this teacher she uh, take her, her paper and uh, away from just uh, you know the embassy and yeah uh, but after this teacher, she understand that uh, this daughter, she just want uh, her family to come and live with her. Uh, so now it will take maybe about six months just to renew her paper and do all the embassy mission and uh, then he will invite him again to go to Germany. And that's what they hope. It's very difficult for her daughter to come back here to Lebanon uh, because also uh, her own teacher, she loves her and uh, she don't want for him to come back to Lebanon and she is just uh, the only one that uh, she helped her there in Germany. Okay. So they cannot do anything uh, that, the teacher, that this teacher, she don't want to do it. Okay, uh, he said that I don't understand anything what's going on right now and uh, he's really sure right now that uh, her daughter will never come back uh, and that's what uh, me hear about uh, from, a, from a lot of uh, people here and uh, he hope he, he don't understand what we should do, we should do but uh, he hope that uh, after this, all problems and different and hardest life to meet her daughter again. Okay, uh, he hoped to see her daughter and he said that it's different, it's difficult to live there and uh, far away from our daughter, so he hoped to go to Germany and meet her daughter and uh, also, he say that uh, like the, the life is very hard and very expensive, so it's better if they go to Germany and not to Hildoto to come back. Okay, when he got married from her daughter, so he thinks that she is a Syrian refugee and if she went to one of the worst countries, so she got help from from the UN, from the NGOs there. So he tried to take this from him there. And uh, but when he arrived to Germany, she found like no, no one to help the Syrian refugees there. So he decided to come back here. Mm -hmm. But leave her. But leave her, yeah. Okay, he said that yes, he's a crazy and a stupid uh, guy, and uh, if feel very sad to let her daughter married from one of like these guys. Mm. Oh, he's so sad about this. He said that now it's he has a very hard life and uh, he feels like uh, he's like a poor man uh, and it's very hard to him to just running to ask for help from NGOs and from donors so it makes sense for him and it's very hard so it's very bad. So
I'm sorry like, to hear. Uh, like you know, uh, he feel like uh, he's like uh, the poor man who they stay on the road and ask people for the money and for help. That's mm-hmm. what he feel as they are. Mm-hmm. Like a beggar, yeah. yeah. Before I was a human, but now I'm not. He say that like the way who they contact with her kids here is very difficult. Different between the way in Syria because in Syria any any of her child he can ask for money for anything and. He can buy for him, but now because of that they don't have any any money and enough money, so it it's like a hard relation between her childrens because uh, sometimes he don't have any money to buy for her childrens what do they want. So yeah, it's very different between here and Syria. Do you think your children understand that, or do they get frustrated sometimes? He say that no, it's difficult for them to understand what's going on because when they when they was in Syria, so they was very small, so they cannot understand the war. Till now, they cannot understand what's going on. Uh, sometimes he like make uh, very angry about him, but uh, that's cause of her situation. That now he cannot do anything for him. So uh, yeah, it's it's so sad and uh, it's so di- difficult for him. He said just two of her uh, elder daughters. They understand the situation but the rest of her children know because they are underage they cannot understand what's going on mm-hmm. yeah. he try but he's not sure that they will understand what's the way he say that he still for, got married for 10 years and after 10 years he got her first daughter so it's a most happiness moment for him. Ah, the birth of his first child. Yeah, it was after 10 years married. Okay, say that uh, he was waiting for this moment uh, for 10 years. So when he got her first uh, birth, so it was an, ama- an amazing minutes when he take her first child, you know, in the hospital. So it was amazing and undescribable. So he cannot describe what he feel and what he sense in this moment. What he say, it was amazing. As you've probably already figured out, the child that Abul Mustafa is describing is the very same girl that is currently in Germany that he may never see again if he can't get the travel visa to Europe. Which is already tough and realistically will likely continue to be tough in the coming years. Thank you for listening to Refugee Stories Podcast. A quick note here before I wrap up. This will likely be the final proper episode of this season, although I do hope to make time for one last special episode, which might come out in the next few weeks. 
We'll be back later in the year with season two, which is going to focus on Sudanese refugees living in Amman, Jordan. The next season, the next season is in collaboration with Sawiyan, an NGO in Amman which is doing wonderful work with the Sudanese community living there. I'm very excited about the next season, and we'll be back with more details soon. And a few quick thanks before I go. To Salam LADC, the NGO that supported this project, and to Hindenburg Audiosphere, the fantastic audio editing program that I used to make this episode. Go to, go to Salam's website at www.salamladc.org. That's S-A-L-A-M-L-A-D-C.org to donate, to donate to them and support their to donate to Salam and support their fantastic work, or head to Hindenburg.com, that's H-I-N-D-E-N-B-U-R-G.com, to learn more about the Hindenburg Audio Suite. To learn more about the Hindenburg Audio Suite. As always, an enormous and very grateful thanks to Hassan Chubasi for his translation, as well as Emma Het for her assistance during the interview. Thank you also to Abu Mustafa. Thank you also to Abu Mustafa and all the other refugees who let me into their homes and told me their stories. I can only hope that these stories go out into the world and help others to understand their situation. And finally, my name is Jessica Stone. I'm the writer and producer of this podcast. Thank you for listening to Abu Mustafa's story.